Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Um, so let's get into the Word. So uh, this morning's message that I had on my heart for us for this year and a few of the words has been brought forward and a few of the encouragements that we've received already in the time of ministry is in line with this and it's a question of what are you building this year what are you building what are you purposing to build this year because a new year normally comes with a new year's plans new goals that we set out to accomplish and it's 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 what we call new year's resolutions now the problem with new year's resolutions often is that they are just carnal Results driven and short lived. Carnal meaning that it's really all about myself. It's all temporal. It's uh, it's based on this current immediate world that we're living in. It's all based on material things. Or like I said, results driven meaning that um, there's a there's an end goal, so to, so to speak. And that is not a problem, but it's a it's an eccentric motivator versus an eccentric motivator often. The, 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 the results we're wanting to see. But if it's not based on an internal drive, the, 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 the why of this goal, then they're often going to just be short-lived. And I think all of us have had those uh, times of the year where, man, January is going well with our New Year's resolutions, and then come February and you're like, man, it's, it's really not all that worth it. And so with the New Year, and as we're kicking off, I want us to all be challenged with what is God's desire for this year? What is happening? What has He planned for us for this year? And uh, let's align our goals and the things that we're wanting to accomplish with God's desire, with God's plans for our years, because then our years will be years of success versus years of failure. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Who of you guys want to have a vain 2024? <laughs> so unless God builds this year, unless we build it in alignment with God's heart, with God's vision, unless we do it empowered with God's spirit and what he's called us to uh, build, we will build in vain. It's not a matter of there's a gray area for this. It's really black and white. It's really black and white. Unless the Lord builds the house, unless God is part of how you're building this year, you will build in vain. And so I'm setting you guys all up for a little bit of a wake-up call and a, a realigning of your purposes and your goals for this year. And I know we are two weeks into the year already, but praise God, there's still 50 weeks left where you can choose to build in accordance with an alignment with the will and the purpose of God. Jeremiah 10 verse 23 says, I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. Now, ultimately, a lot of people are opposing this idea, opposing the word of God, opposing the wisdom of God. And uh, you can choose wisdom or foolishness. Like you can choose whether you're going to be considered part of the, the wise men or part of the fools. The wise men responded on words, prophetic words, and they set out on course to go and meet the baby Jesus. And uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus, or it's, uh, yeah, it's Matthew chapter 7, 
when Jesus is talking about the, the, the wise man building his house on the rock, both wise, the wise man and the fool, receive the same counsel. They receive the same information. And week in and week out at church, you're going to receive the same word that everyone else in this meeting online, listening to it afterwards, is going to receive. But the question is, what are you doing about the instruction you're receiving? What are you doing about the counsel you're receiving? I know we've got a room full of testimonies of, uh, I know my personal life is a, is a testimony of receiving counsel and then not heeding to the counsel and bearing the consequences of that. Specifically even with regards to relationships, how I've pursued or purposed my life in romantic relationships. You receive the wisest of wise counsel and you think, I think I, I know a little bit better, like because obviously I've, uh, I've lived life and I've got a successful marriage and all of these things. And I'm just joking, I'm being sarcastic. We, we oftentimes, as, uh, as um, maybe it's not you, just me, we, we fall into the trap of pride, thinking I know best. I know how to do this. I've got this, God. And so Proverbs says that there's wisdom in the counsel of many. And so, why not heed to the counsel you're receiving within the body of Christ? Learning from those who've gone before you. Learning from those whose who's marriages, for example, is a testimony. Wants to look up to. That's one of the blessings of the family of God. Because me, for example, I couldn't have a great example within my, my household as what a godly marriage is supposed to look like. But my example, uh, or, or, or the marriage that I'm currently experiencing and the fruitfulness of that wasn't based on my parents' example. Why? Because I had the body of Christ showing me what godly marriage looks like. I had the word of God that showed me what godly marriage looks like. But just because the word is available, just because we've got godly marriages demonstrated in front of us and among us, doesn't mean that by default I'm going to enjoy the fruitfulness of those examples. Because I need to respond to things. I need to lay certain things down. Because all of us have got a body, as far as I can see. We've got a body, body meaning you've got a carnal suit. You've got a meat suit. And a lot of those bodies are, are dominating most of our lives. What we're wanting, what we're wanting to accomplish. And we're going to get into uh, some of that in a moment. So again, we can accomplish a whole lot of things this year, but it's, is it being recorded in light of eternity is a different story. We, we can start amazing businesses, we can uh, receive Nobel Peace Prizes and all of these things this year, but is what you are building, is the goals you're setting out and the things you're going to accomplish, is it being recorded in light of eternity? That is the real question. Is what we're building truly satisfying us or just numbing us? Because some business people, Elon Musk, for example, he would be saying, like, I'm living a satisfying life. But ultimately, we don't know what's going on in his heart. When he puts his head down to go to sleep, we don't know whether his heart and his mind is in turmoil or whether it's at peace. When I put my head down, apart from the voice keeping me up a little bit, like, um, <laughs> man, when I put my head down, I'm at peace. I don't, wa I don't worry about what's going on in your life. I don't worry about the... Um, I just put my peace down, my head down because I'm giving my cares over to God. Because I've got a responsibility towards each one of you, but I'm not responsible for your lives. 
I'm responsible to give you the word. I'm responsible to be there for you and to, to give you counsel. But ultimately, you need to go and make your bed and sleep in it. And that is where the word of God comes in and the teaching we're receiving weekly, week in, week out. Are we responding to the word? Are we aligning our lives and asking ourselves, is there course correction for me to make? And it's this continual calibration, recalibrating of like, where am I going? And that's the blessing of the body of Christ. When you're seeing someone going astray, you can stop and ask them like, what are you really busy with now? And it's not from a self-righteous point of view, it's from a loving and caring point of view. If I look at my two sons, Chris and Michael, for example, I'm not just going to let them do whatever and run around and be brying out with the weaver. I'm not going to just allow them to run around and kind of uh, adventure around the weaver and see like, how hot is this thing really? Because I don't want it to get hurt. I don't want it to, to be scarred for life, so to speak. And so within the body of Christ, when we're asking those questions and we, when we're meeting up with, uh, with friends and we're asking the question of like, how's your marriage doing? Like, how's it going with your, with your marriage? How's it going with your friendships? How's your finances doing? I'm not asking because I'm curious or I'm uh, nosy. I'm asking because I care. And so we want to cultivate those kind of communities and that kind of care because it's important to ask those questions. Because in asking that question, you're making yourself vulnerable and you're opening up for a calibration, recalibrating, rather than kind of just slowly but surely fading into nothingness. That's not God's desire. And with regards to community, the invitation to each one of us is to draw close to community. To allow yourself to be surrounded with brothers and sisters in Christ who are there to love you, to support you, to encourage you, to spur you on unto love and good works. Amen. And that spurring is sometimes going to hurt. Right? Getting that nudge in the, in the ribs from your brother or sister like the elbow to the ribs. Sometimes like it's, like, it's a little bit uncomfortable, but we need that. Amen? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Praise God that, man, uh, starting off this year again and being here with all of you guys, it's such a, such a joy, it's such a, such a delight to be about our Father's business. And it's not like a business as, a, as we know business, but it's, it's a phrase that kind of um, illustrates a point. But we're really about what God desires, what God delights in. Brothers and sisters coming together to grow in our relationship with Him, to grow in our, our understanding of what's the purpose of life, being equipped to go out into this world and really make an impact, right? Um, a good question to, to, to ask even in, in, at the start of the year is, what kind of funeral would you like one day? What kind of funeral would you like to, to have one day? What do you want people to say about you at your funeral one day. The decisions you're making today and tomorrow and every day of this year will, will determine what kind of funeral you're going to have one day. You're not going to have a funeral of multiple people coming to celebrate your life and, 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 and praise God for your life if you're not purposing certain things. It's not just going to happen by default just because you are a nice person. So again, what kind of funeral do you want to have one day? Because that one day will come for all of us. Well, technically, it could technically not come for all of us, depending on a few things. We're not going to get into that right now. But ultimately, this life is, is uh, temporal. It is, it is fleeting. And we get to determine what kind of funerals we would 
have one day and it's determined by the decisions we are making today. Is it in alignment with God's heart, with His plan, with His purposes? So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to look at a a few verses from chapter 2 and then we're going to go into chapter 3 as well. So from verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9, verse 9 to 12 from the King James says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit search all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God. What a blessing. So this thought, this mindset of like, we can't really know God's thoughts and God's intents and God's plans for our lives is really ignorance. Because that is not what the Word says. The Word says, we have not received the Spirit of this world, but we've received the Spirit which is of God. Right? He that is joined unto the Lord, 1 Corinthians 6, 7 says, says that He is one Spirit with God. And actually, chapter 1 verse 8 says that uh, we've been filled with the Holy Spirit and we've received the ability. So we've received His Spirit. But the Spirit which is of God, so that, what is the purpose of receiving the Spirit of God? It is not to have a goosebump. Praise God for goosebumps and good emotions and good feelings, right? But that is not the only purpose for. And so there is intimacy, there is emotional, you know, emotional uh, blessing and benefit in our relationship with God. But that is not the only purpose. One of the purposes is so that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. God wants us to understand what we have. That's the benefit of teaching, uh, sitting under good teaching, to be able to come to understand and to uh, come to understand the reality of Christianity, what we have in Christ, so that we can live that out, so that we can have the impact that God created and called us to have in this life. Amen? And so the Spirit of God is received so that we can understand what is on God's heart. The Spirit of God is received, as we'll see later, so that we can understand Scripture, the Word, and teaching. But just jumping back, so the Scripture talking about, it says, as it is written, it's talking about the Scriptures, Old Testament, eyes has not seen, ears not heard, or neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. So there's things that God has prepared for us. Those who love Him, those who are about our Father's business. And the amazing thing is, it has all been made known to us. There's no secret anymore. There was a mystery, but that mystery has been made known to us through the writings of the New Testament, the letters. God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. Let's go down. Um, So that is a blessing. It's not something that we need to still kind of be unsure of and... Is God withholding something for us? No, it has been revealed to us, past things. And now we've got the blessing of a full Bible, Genesis, all the way to Revelation, whereas the Old Testament uh, prophets and even the, the apostles of Jesus, the disciples, they didn't have the blessing of having a full Bible like we have today. So say with me, thank you, Jesus, for my Bible. Now I trust and I pray that this year you'll become truly thankful for what we have today because people have literally died. I don't, yeah, people have literally died 
for making the Bible you have on your phone today available to you in your language and in many different translations. Let's start valuing what we have, what people have laid their lives down for. It wasn't for nothing, it was for something. Because within the Word of God, we find the will of God. We find the message of Jesus, the message of the Bible, which is Jesus, the Gospel of Christ. Let's go down to verse 13 from the easy to or, um, English Standard Version 13 to 16. And we impart this word this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. So the natural person here is not talking about the carnal person in the sense of you can be born again but still be carnal. We'll look at that later. But this is talking about the unbeliever specifically. The natural person or the unbeliever does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now this word discerned, the Strong's uh, um, defines it as to properly scrutinize, to investigate, to interrogate and determine, to ask question, discern, examine, judge or search. Now there's a discernment that we need to apply when we come into the Word of God. The question is, are you a discerning believer? What am I asking you? Are you a believer who is investigating, asking questions, discerning, examining, judging and searching the Scriptures trying to find truth? Or are you just reading your Bible religiously? Are you just coming to church religiously? Or are you sitting here discerning, judging, scrutinizing, not in a self-righteous, arrogant way, but in a humble way, trying to find and investigate truth? Because when we find truth, finding Jesus, we'll experience freedom. So God wants us to understand the writings, the Word of God, the purpose of God. And understanding only comes through discernment. Understanding the Word of God, understanding the purpose, the will of God, is not going to come by just sitting here with your ears half open, eyes half shut, wondering about what is for lunch, wondering about how you're going to have a good year and save enough money to go on that holiday. That is not how understanding comes. Understanding comes through approaching the Word of God with discernment, properly scrutinizing, investigating, interrogating. It is all words of action, of purpose, intention. Are you intentional about studying the Word of God, becoming a student of the Word, so that you can come to understand the things and the purposes of God? Because through that, you'll start to experience fruitfulness. Without understanding, you cannot experience fruitfulness. We all have been in the setting in class, maths for example, which I'm sure some of you enjoyed, some of you uh, endured, where you sit there and you're like, you're struggling with a thought or a concept and there's no understanding. It's just like, it's frustrating and you know that like the test is coming up and you've got no clue what is, what is going on. And it's intimidating and it's like, it stirs anxiety. But when you have that moment where the teacher just kind of just explains and explains and it's like it's just such a weight lifted off of your shoulders because you got it. God wants us to get it. God wants us to understand His purpose, His will for our lives for this year. 
because in that there's freedom, in that there's joy, there's excitement to tackle this year with God, knowing what His purpose and His will is. So jumping through, or um, sorry, uh, verse 14, verse 15. The spiritual person judges all things, but himself is not judged by anyone. So we as believers are called to judge things. We're not called to judge people. There's a difference. Stop judging people. Stop putting yourself in people's shoes and, and kind of comparing yourself with someone else in the life that they're living. Stop being religious. Jesus despised the religious people of his day. We too should despise religious people. Religiosity should I rather say. So we're not judging people. We're not called to judge people. But we are called to judge things. But we ourselves are not judged by anyone. No man can judge another man. That is not our calling or purpose. That is not the ministry Jesus has given to us. Verse 16. For who has understand the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Jumping down over to uh, chapter 3. So we've got this blessing again of of understanding the will of God. We've received the Spirit of God. We've received and walking in the mind of Christ. But we need to unlock it. We need to unlock it. How do we unlock it? By discerning. What did we say? Discerning and scrutinizing, investigating. Let's be children of God. Let's be believers this year who are scrutinizing, investigating the Word. Becoming students of the Word. Becoming greater disciples of the Word. It's an invitation, guys, for every one of you. But again, like any invitation, some are declined. Some respond with, a, yes, I'm going to be there. Some respond with, no, I've got other plans. Please don't respond with, no, I've got other plans. Because then your year will be mediocre. Your year will be unfruitful. Your year will not be one of success in accordance with God, God's definition of success. Chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1 to 3 from the Passion Translation. Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. For you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. So here is he's shifting gears a little bit. Earlier on he talked about the spiritual person and the carnal person. Uh, the comparison of the believer and the unbeliever. Here is switching gears and he's talking about the mature uh, in the spirit and then the immature talking about dominated by the mindset of the flesh. So as believers, we can be carnally minded. Okay, so it's a different, uh, it's a different comparison that, that uh, the writer is making here for us. So brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. For you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. So what is spiritual maturity linked to? A mindset dominated by the spirit. Spiritual immaturity is linked to a mindset dominated by the flesh. Okay, so that is the difference. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with solid food of more advanced teachings, because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready to be fed solid food, for you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? So here he's using some examples of a mindset uh, focused or dominated by the flesh. Dominated by carnality, your emotions, living in the moment. Ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you are living your lives centered on yourselves. Dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like 
unbelievers. Are you ready? A question. Are you ready to live the life God created you to live? If you are living your life dominated by the mindset of the flesh, you'll never live that life. Because it requires for you to live the life that God created you to live, it requires you to be dominated by the mindset of the Spirit. Yielding to the leading of the Spirit. And what does that mean for us, practically speaking? The goals we're setting out for this year, the things that we're aspiring to achieve, how much of that is carnally minded? A mindset dominated by the flesh, the carnal, the temporal, the year, the now. How much of the things that we are purposing is set on and dominated by the flesh? If, if it is primarily things, uh, uh, the things we achieve, wanting to achieve and the goals we're setting out, if it's all carnal, then we won't live the lives God created us and purpose us to live out. Self-centeredness means a mindset on the flesh. It looks like the world. Self-centeredness is living like the world because the world is all caught up in me, myself, and I. And in some ways, they, they're doing things mechanically almost, so to speak, or trying to kind of find a loop in the system, and they're doing good things because there's a feel-good hormone setting off in their minds. Praise God for the blessing of a lot of things that the believer and the unbeliever enjoys. Rain, for example. Rain doesn't just fall on the believer's farm. It also falls on the unbeliever's farm. Believe it or not. <laughs> the blessing of oxygen that is released by all of the trees and the greenery we see in this world. Guess what? The believer and the unbeliever enjoys that oxygen. Have you ever thought about that? Like that's how gracious and how good God is. But we want to, as believers, live less self-centered lives because it is in that dying to self that we truly become alive and start experiencing a godly satisfaction that nothing in this world could ever dream about giving you. No house, no job, no career, no achievement. We talked about this last year. Michael Phelps, which uh, some people in the audience didn't know who that was, which was interesting for me. Uh, refreshing some of your minds, Michael Phelps, uh, considered the greatest, greatest Olympian of all time, with a whole bunch of records. In his accolades of, of, of medals and achievements, he himself considered suicide after his initial, or his first uh, um, retirement out of, out of professional swimming. You have to ask yourself, why is that? Because no achievement, no goal in this world that is limited to this temporal, the here and now, can give you what God designed for you to have, in, in relationship with God, designed for you to experience, created for you to experience. So let's wake up and stop living lives dominated by the flesh. Let's start live, living our lives dominated by the Spirit. And what I'm not saying is you can't have goals for this year with regards to your career, with regards to fitness and all of those things. Taking care of your body and stewarding your body is good because if your body taps out, your ministry taps out. 
believe it or not. Because if you're no longer here in your physical body, your ministry has stopped. You can maybe have left seed behind in the sense of the people you've impacted and so your, your, your uh, legacy continues, so to speak. But ultimately, we need to steward our bodies. And so having goals like that is good. But you see that your goal can be motivated by carnal. I have six packs of like normal ladies, etc. Or I want to have beautiful hair so I can more, draw more guys. Like I don't know what the ladies like general goals are with regards to those things. <laughs> because I'm not a lady. <laughs> Praise God. But it's important for us to consider and to realize the goals we're setting out, the temple goals we're setting out, there's a motivation and a goal behind those goals. There's a, there's a, there's a meaning and a purpose behind Wanting to, for example, get uh, for myself with our, our, um, the coffee business that we've got. Um, the, the more success that achieves and the things that we are planning and purposing with regards to that, it means that we're drawing more people. And we've had amazing testimonies of uh, encounters, ministry opportunities with, with, within our coffee business already. And the more that grows, the more people we reach, the more people we have connection with, relationship with. And those are people that we get to share the love of Christ with. Praise God. So whatever your goals are, it's fine to have those goals, but ask yourself, why do you want to have a six-pack? It's a silly example. Why do you want to receive that promotion at, at work? Does it mean that you'll be set up in a position where more, you have more influence? A great testimony, Pastor Isaac, who was with us last year from Zimbabwe, and uh, shared uh, with us at the Multiply Conference last year, October, he shared this testimony of, uh, he works for a company, as a, um, he's a qualified engineer, he works for a company that is equivalent to ESCOM in South Africa, he's working for that company in Zimbabwe, and he got the opportunity to receive a great promotion. That would have meant uh, more finances uh, and a whole bunch of other benefits. But he realized because of the specific structure that he had and the time that it would require of him to step into that position, he would not have as much time as he currently has to study the word and to minister to people. So guess what he said to the promotion? No, thank you. I've got other plans. I've got other goals. So that is choosing something carnal, temple, with a mindset of the spirit. God's plan and God's purposes for our lives. As believers and children of God, we are called to live radically different lives to the world. Our lives need to look different to that of the world. The decisions we're making, the choices we're making. And we've got a room full of testimonies of people who are making decisions differently to the world. And we are not called to go and try and look different to the world. But in our relationship with God and living in fellowship with Him and allowing Him to lead us and allowing our hearts to be molded by Him as Psalm 34 verse 7 says, or 37 verse 4, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. That is talking about delighting and fellowshipping with God, allowing your heart to be pliable in His hands and then His desires become yours. He imparts and he plants his heart's desires into yours. That's talking about the fellowship, the relationship that God desires for us to experience. And so by enjoying that relationship, by enjoying that relationship through the community and the body of Christ, we will start to rub off on one another. Amen? You've seen testimonies and 
if you haven't seen it yet, maybe you are uh, living in that place where you've seen testimonies. And not every testimony is a good testimony. Some testimonies are a testimony of like, wow, and then some are a testimony of like, and so we, you've maybe experienced this within marriage where you, you see two people getting married and then the one starts acting like the other person. And so Catherine, for example, she's received some of my sarcasm, so just excuse, <laughs> excuse her for that. Um, I apologize, it's my fault. And so, um, so within our relationship with God, that is what God desires for us, for, for Him to rub off on us, but even within the body of Christ, we rubbing off on one another. The good that is in us, and drawing that out of one another. And that is really what, what discipleship is about. That is really what is on God's heart for those who have gone before us, or those who are maybe uh, more mature in their walk with God, for us to look at those people and spend time with them and allow them to draw more of Christ in us, out of us. And that is often going to come in the form of a challenge. Amen? A good word is? Some of you are uh, not so excited about that this morning or you maybe have uh, forgotten about it from last year. But a good word is a challenging word because it is only in an environment of challenge that we can truly grow. All of us know this, practically speaking. Talking about the gym. If you go to the gym, if you don't challenge your muscles, don't think that they'll grow. If you don't challenge your body, don't think that it will change. So change and challenge comes together. They go hand in hand. And if we want to grow, then we need to be open to receive a challenge. And we want to receive it in the form of the Word, the instructions of the Bible, the message of Jesus. Let's go to uh, verse 4 and 5 from the Passion Translation. And we slowly but surely coming to a close. For when you divide yourselves up in groups, a Paul group, a Paulus group, you're acting like people without the Spirit's influence. Who is Apollos really, or who is Paul? Aren't we both just servants through whom you believe our message? Aren't each of us doing the ministry of the Lord, or the Lord has assigned to us? Again, it's not about an individual. It's not about grace life. Grace life, the logo, the, 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 what the logo is about, that, it's got nothing to do about that. It's not about etching. It's not about shame. It's not about... Peter or any one of the leaders. It's not about it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. And that is just a vehicle to accomplish that. Who is Apollos? Who is Paul? It doesn't matter who those individuals are per se, but what their lives mean. Aren't we just both servants through whom you believed our message? Is Christ's life not just a vehicle through whom people believe the message of Jesus? Is Etienne just not another messenger through whom people are believing the message? Is Badu, Henku, Julius, uh, Marco not just vehicles through whom people believe in the message? That is what it is all about. It is all about Jesus, His message and His mission. Are we doing the ministries that God has assigned to us? That is the question. On are we doing the ministry that God has assigned to us? And there are, are not various ministries. There's one ministry. There's not a ministry of doing this and then a ministry of doing that and a ministry of this. And there's one ministry we've been commissioned to and it's a ministry of reconciliation. Second Corinthians chapter 5. That is what we are called. We are called ministers of reconciliation. Not just the pastor up front, but every believer is called to that ministry. A ministry of reconciliation, reconciling people to God. How do we do that? 
by ministering the message of grace, the gospel of Christ. That's the only way that people can come from the kingdom of darkness and enter into the kingdom of light. Romans chapter 10 explains this to us. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. If the work we are planning and purposing for this year, if the goals we are setting out for this year is not in the Lord, then our labor will be in vain. It doesn't matter how your labor is going to look this year, how fancy, how glamorous, how big, how extravagant. If it's not a work that is found in the Lord, it will be in vain. And that will just lead to frustration, burnout, dissatisfaction, and ultimately death. So, the question is, are you going to choose life or death? Because the decision is lying ahead of each one of us. And God gives us the answer. Choose life. Jumping down to verse 6 and 7 from chapter 3 Corinthians. I've planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So they neither is he that plants anything, neither he that waters, but God that gives the increase. Turning to the Passion Translation, verse 8. Now the one who plants and the one who waters are equally important and on the same team, but each will be rewarded for his own work. So again, there's, a, there's an importance and then there's not an importance. But it's interesting, the dynamic or the picture of neither Paulus, neither Paul is important is linked to the personality. But when the importance aspect is mentioned, it's talking about the ministry. The one who plants and the one who waters are equally important. It's talking about the ministry, it's not talking about the individual. The ministry of sharing with people, opening up their hearts to receive the gospel. Because you'll have different relationships and you've maybe got, I trust that uh, you've got a, a hit list uh, that you're praying for. If you don't have a hit list yet, you'll uh, come to find out about that. It's basically just praying for uh, unbelievers in your life, people that you have opportunity to share with. And within those relationships, you are building relationship. And what does that mean? It means you're connecting with them, building a trust, showing that them that you care about them more than you just want them to convert to your faith. Oftentimes in our evangelism as Christians, we come across as people who just want someone part of our team. That's not very encouraging to the other person if it's about your team. It's not about you. It's not about your team. It's about them. And in order for them to open up their hearts, they need to see that your ministry to them is about them. <clears throat> and that comes through, through, through purpose, through intention, through listening, asking questions. We need to be wise as serpents, but gentle as doves in our ministry to people, in our evangelism. Because there is a process to all of us. All of us are playing part in the process when we're looking at farming. That is the illustration that he's using. The one who plants and the one who waters. Let's not be... Sometimes people get caught up with a whole bunch of uh, uh, distractions. They're like, where am I within this process? Am I now supposed to water? Am I supposed to plant? Like, that, let's, 
that is not the purpose of this illustration. It's not to, to become overly technical about where am I finding myself within the process of where this person is at. You'll know you've got the Spirit of God inside of you. The point he's trying to make that is all of us are playing a part. Say, I get to play a part. Each one of you, it's not just the pastor, it's not just the, the person who's graduated from ministry school three times, or the person who did boot camp, or spot of grace ambassadors, or the person who knows how to quote scripture. It's not about any of those things. It's about you being a child of God. As a child of God, you are a minister, a minister of reconciliation. Let's become confident of that ministry. Because the more confident you are of that ministry, the more openly you will share with the people around you. And one of the ways that you become confident is by growing, maturing in the things of God. And one of the things that is required for you to do that is to be among believers. You become a discerner of the Word, studying the Word, scrutinizing the Word. And through those things you'll become a confident person. And we've got a room full of testimonies. Devin is a great example. Man, when I first met him, he was this timid person who didn't want to talk to people and he just wanted to keep to himself. Now you can't get him out of your face. <laughs> what happened? The Word of God changed him. The Spirit of God in him became alive and he started yielding to that Spirit to where he's got different desires today. Different things that he wants to accomplish. Different goals that he's setting out for himself. And it came effortless. It wasn't like, oh, now I have to change. What a dread. What a, what, a, what a challenge. What a struggle. No, he just enjoyed his relationship with God, with the people around him. And what was inside of him came out. Verse 9, we are co-workers with God and you are God's cultivated God and the house he is building. God has given me unique gifts as a skilled master builder who lays a good foundation. Afterwards, another craftsman comes and builds on it. So the builders, or so builders, beware. We are considered the builders in this equation, each one of you. We are builders. The question is, what are you building? How are you building? Beware, builders. So each one of us, we need to listen. Beware. Let every builder do his work carefully according to God's standards. Whose standards? God's standards. Not the world's standards. The world are setting out standards for us. The question is, are you prescribing? Are you prescribing to what the world is setting out for you to prescribe to, to, to achieve? Or are you building according to God's standards? For no one is empowered to lay an alternative foundation other than the good foundation that exists, which is Jesus Christ. There's no other way for us to build other than on this foundation. We have not been empowered to start X, Y, and Z. We've been empowered to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the ministry of Jesus. Ephesians 3.20, build on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In closing, verse 12 to 15 from the Passion. The quantity or the quality of materials used by anyone building, that's us, on this foundation, which is Christ, will soon be made apparent, whether it has been built with coal, silver or costly stones, or wood, hay and straw. 
Their work will soon become evident, for the day will make it clear, because it will be revealed by blazing fire, and the fire will test and prove the workmanship of each builder. If his work stands the test of fire, he will be rewarded. If his work is consumed by the fire, he will suffer great loss, yet he himself will barely escape destruction, like one being rescued out of a burning house. So again, the question, what are you building? How are you building? Are you building with the costly materials that will stand the test of time? Are you building with materials that will not stand the test of time? Are you building in accordance with God's word, accordance with what God has empowered you to build? Or are you building like the world? Having our mindsets dominated by the flesh, the temple, the year and the now. Or are we building with our mindsets, the goals, the things that we are purposing to achieve, dominated by the Spirit's leading? Are we busy with the work God has assigned to us? Are we growing and becoming a skilled master builder for the kingdom of God? It's a question we need to ask ourselves. Are you this year going to grow and becoming a skilled master builder, as Paul was, and all of the other apostles, and other believers who've come after them? Are we growing and becoming the skilled master builder for God's kingdom? And as a ministry, you should know this by now, but if you may be new to the ministry, welcome. But as a ministry, we have amazing opportunities to help you become all that God created you to be. That's the, that's the purpose of my teaching. It's not to, to enjoy my teaching. My purpose for teaching is for you to understand. So that in understanding you'll become fruitful. And live the life that God has purposed for you to live. Live the life that Jesus died for you to live. But a question with regards to all of these opportunities, all of these invitations again. Are you going to respond to the invitation? Because if you're going to say, no thank you, you've got other plans, again, you bear the consequences of that decision. Because God has given you, given you, each one of us, the freedom, the free will, to choose life or death. And maybe you've chosen life through responding to Jesus. Praise God. Super thankful for that. But from that decision, you've got a daily decision to make as to whether you are being dominated by the Spirit's leading controlled by His leading and His purposes and will for your life, or whether you are just another believer living like the world. Because there are those believers. I hope it's present company excluded. But ultimately, don't think just because you're a child of God that you're going to live like a child of God and enjoy all of the benefits of being a child of God. Those things need to be chosen, needs to be purposed. But praise God for community, that we get to do it with one another. We don't have to do it on our own. Praise God for His Spirit, never leaving us, not forsaking us, always being there. Knocking on our hearts, prompting us, leading us. But we need to learn to become sensitive to His voice. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, 
www.gracelife.ca